This episode of Half Measures is brought to you by Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Hi, I'm Norman Lau, co-host of Mission Log. While Daniel and Paul are doing a bang-up job covering the wide world of pop culture, we're talking Star Trek, one episode at a time over at Mission Log, looking for morals, meanings, and messages. In fact, there are a whole lot of other shows at podcasts.roddenberry.com for you to choose from. Science, feminism, even daily news. Boldly go and find us when you're done here, of course. Again, that address is podcasts.roddenberry.com, and we will be delighted to have you trek us out. Kia ora. Welcome to Half Measures Podcast with me, Paul Canara, and my co-host, Dan Whiting. Dan, how's it going? I'm going great, Paul. Thanks for having me back. A real, a real gentle intro. I could have, I could have done what many predicted, which was to try and raise the stakes after what you did last week with the uh, Her Majesty's subject, the the Master Brewer. But I thought, do you know what? I'm, I don't feel like I've got enough energy to do that today. I, I'm going to bring it back next week because I really enjoyed it. But I'm going to try and do it without, you know, losing it with laughter um, halfway through. But it was it was fun thinking of those names. I really want to get to the point where I've got one or two that really stick, and I like to think of these intros as a a prototyping session where I can just try out different nicknames for you. Okay, well I'll have to raise my game a little because we both know the truth is is that until you said to me literally thirty seconds ago, Paul, your opening, I hadn't thought about it at all. Total half measure as always. Dan, I'm looking at the agenda because you know how we have an agenda and. There's quite a few things to talk about this week, so um, I think, you know, if you haven't already, guys, get yourself a cuppa and um, let's get into it, shall we? Yeah, we've got a a pretty jam-packed agenda, don't we? We've got, obviously, we've both been watching Dark. We've got the um, movie of the week, Cold Pursuit. We've got our peak performances, mailbags probably bustling with activity, the newsroom. I know they're flat off their feet. They are. That's right. They really are. Um, so, so yeah, but uh, before we get into that, don't forget, as always, if you've got a movie or TV show you'd like to recommend to us, then drop us a line at uh, halfmeasurespodcast.com. We do love the mailbag questions. You can follow us at Half Measures Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can find the links to all of our social media and the website and the Discord community channel in this week's episode description, wherever you're listening to this podcast. And we've also got to give a, a special shout out to our our two um, Patreon producers of the of the month. So Trisha Brady um, and Samara King, you are the producers of today's show. So look, you're our boss. We'll do what you say. We appreciate. We can't it. be bribed, but we'll actually we don't do what anyone yeah, says. Speak speak for yourself, Dan. I can be bribed. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, thanks for uh, supporting the show. If you'd like to. Uh, support us as well. Um, go and check out uh, patreon.com, um, Half Measures Podcast. There's a slash in there somewhere, but you'll work it out. Um, and you can <laughs> you can also find the, the link in the, in the show notes as well. But we appreciate your support. Thanks, guys. Definitely. So, Dan, it's the time-honored tradition as we hit episode 24. Please tell me what you've been watching this week. Well, what have I been watching? So I've watched a couple of movies. Uh, the ones, 
a couple of these movies are ones that I've I've actually seen before, so I won't. Uh, I may have even talked about them a little bit before, so I won't go too deep into them. Um, had some family down, so watched a couple of movies with them. Always challenging, Paul, as you you know, as we've talked about many times, to find a a good movie to watch with your parents. Um, yeah. Trying to find something that's both entertaining for them. Um, Kind of is in line with their sense of humour, not too, not too funny, not too outrageous, not too, you know, trying to trying to trying to find that balance is difficult. So I actually had my my dad stay with me for a couple of days, and so we watched a couple of movies. He's a bit of a car fan, and the first one we watched was Baby Driver. So a really great movie. Um, I know that you've you've seen it. Mm. It's actually came out back in twenty seventeen. Um, it's a movie by Edgar Wright, uh, really fun movie, awesome soundtrack, the way they've got the, intentionally got the the sound and the action all kind of synced together. It's a movie that every time I watch it, I really appreciate even more how well that connection is made. And, yeah, it's, a, it's just a really fun watch. I do think, you know, having now seen this, is probably my third maybe fourth time I've seen it since 2017 it is one of those movies that maybe goes on a little bit long at the end I felt we've talked about this a bit recently the movies that just Mm. take a little too long to finish and I think there's a there's a final sort of fight scene in that in that film where you just know the the bad guys not quite finished yet but look such a great watch and it's on uh, in New Zealand at the moment it's on Netflix so if you haven't seen it highly recommend checking it out crank the sound up, even better watch it with headphones, and it's um, yeah, enjoyable watch. It is a really enjoyable watch. What what you said about the the sound and the way the music and the all the notes sort of hit in time with you know different noises, whether it's someone punching or bullets or tires or whatever, all sort of in time with the music. It's just a really really clever, very well done. Edgar Wright's the writer director, great job. Um, I have yeah, I haven't seen this since it came out since uh, saw it in the cinema. But uh, I, I've seen it pop up on on Netflix, so I'm thinking I could be in for a rewatch soon as well because I don't think Diana's seen this one. I actually, the one thing that reminded me in that movie is so Kevin Spacey's in this movie, and obviously we haven't seen a lot of Kevin Spacey mm, over the last um, eighteen months or so, and. I don't know too much about what happened there, but Kevin Spacey as an actor is so great. And it's such a shame that various things happened. Um, but he always plays, he's, he's always plays such a, a, a great, a great character. Um, and his, his, he's got some great talent. I think uh, the, and the other movie that I watched also in the, in the car genre so this will be a movie that you'll probably be watching in the at this rate, I guess, coming months. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. So this is kind of a, for those who don't know, a, a bit more of a, a spin-off of the Fast and the Furious universe, um, specifically focusing um, on The Rock and Jason Stratham. And again, just another uh, popcorn movie, over-the-top, action big set pieces enjoyable 
I, I don't want to go into too much detail because I know that you are such a big Fast and the Furious fan. I don't want to take away any thunder from any any future watching that you may do, Paul. I, um, I, how, I appreciate that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I won't go too much deeper into that. I've also um, – so I've been watching Dark, but I'll, I'll wait to talk about that mm. um, when you get up to that as well so we can have a bit of a deeper dive into it. Um, and I've actually started two new TV series, um, mostly that actually sort of fill the void of dark. So the first one that I've started is Gangs of London. So I'm not sure if you've heard about this show, Paul. No. It's pretty new out uh, on Neon. This is a, a recommendation actually from uh, Samara's boss recommended this is a great TV show. So pretty great reviews on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. It's got a, an average tomato meter score of, of 85%. Um, it's got some, some pretty great English actors. Um, I think it's eight, yeah, eight episodes long. Um, yep. And it's on my list. It's, yeah. I, I'm only two episodes in, but it's, look, it's uh, produced, I think, by. I'm not produced. It's it's part of a um, a, AMC films. English, yeah, yeah, Pulse Films, um, supported by AMC, and it's got a it's got a really gritty vibe. I'm a little bit too new in to really say um, what way I'm leaning on it, but look, the first two episodes have been quite enjoyable. You know, we've talked about many times how we quite often enjoy, particularly like BBC or English shows are normally normally done to a good level, and you know, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Kind of nice to be watching the show without subtitles and just kind of relaxing into it. So stay tuned on this one. Um, only been eight episodes long. Probably will have finished it by next week, so I'll be able to give you a bit more of a, a stare on whether you should be watching this one or not. Interesting enough, it actually is on my, my list. It's when I went into Neon, so I've already added it to my watch list. Um, I think I just mis- forgot the title, but, yeah, only eight episodes I um I may be in for some of that as well, perhaps. Cool. And then the the one other TV show that I've started, and we've been talking about this for a little bit, but it kind of snicked up on me. This is Transformers: War for Cybertron, um, and so this just came out on Netflix on the the thirty first, I believe. And so, a new Transformers series set in the um the Cybertron era, the sort of the, the, the final days, I guess. And really, like, I'm only one episode in, but really enjoyable. Uh, feels like it's kind of hitting all the right notes for me. I really love the, the animation style of the Transformers. It's got all of those sort of nostalgia factors that we talked about. You know, when I think back to our conversation around the Bumblebee movie mm. and how the first sort of five minutes of that film really speaks to the the Transformers that we grew up with as a kid. This does that for me. And without, like, I don't really feel it was a spoiler because it's well, I'm only in the first episode. I think what I quite liked about it is it actually introduces characters, obviously like Optimus Prime and Bumblebee, but in quite a different vein. Mm. Um, and so Bumblebee actually isn't part of the, the Autobots in the first episode. And is, he's, yeah, it was just, it was cool. I thought they were doing something different. Um, as I say, animation style looks awesome. I think it's got some, they're trying to hit a couple of different audiences, both I think a, an older adult audience, but also make it appealing probably to a younger generation. 
it's definitely taking all the boxes for me and I'm looking forward to, to watching more episodes. Have you given this a, a go yet, Paul? Yeah, I'm actually uh, I'm three episodes in on this, so um, I've really been sort of quite excited about it because I was I was going to save it to watch with uh, my six-year-old daughter, but um, I did some reading around it, and it sounded like it might not be quite age-appropriate, and having watched those first three episodes, I think i uh, definitely made the right decision it's 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 definitely got that adult feel i think a, an older an older kid so my you know my 10 year old son would be fine i think but um uh just what everything you've said so far for me has been the the key things the the bumblebee factor was really really interesting not sure about the music yet i was really hoping for a catchier sort of a theme song but uh no that g1 look i really enjoyed that and yeah i think probably the way i'm going the way you the way you go through things we should be able to uh to, to maybe have a bigger chat about that maybe i don't know next week or the week after or so yeah that sounds good um i think the other thing that interests me about this is it's actually um i don't know if it's produced but it's supported by the the team at rooster teeth and so mm, i spotted that obviously a, yeah a pretty big um platform they've developed the red versus blue series they've got a whole bunch of um different shows they're they're big on youtube they've got some great podcasts and it's it's kind of cool to see you know see i don't know you feel like you have that connection right when you know rooster teeth i feel like as a as a podcast i've been listening to for years and it's it's great to see their logo pop up in the in the Mm. end credits so no very nice no i think yeah, no, with a watch. Um, and then, yeah, the other thing which really has consumed my time is is dark. So, But I'll, as I say, I'll hold on to that. What about yourself, Paul? What have you been up to? Um, well, first of all, before I forget, I just want to quickly touch on your point about watching a, a TV show with parents because whenever people talk about this, I can never forget the, the classic mistake I made, which was for some reason, I don't know what I was going through at the time, what I was thinking, but when you know parents were with us i was like oh i know what we'll put in i haven't watched this yet this will be a good good movie crank two high voltage and honestly (laughs) a a pretty awful movie and b just not what you need to sit down and watch with with your parents so a definite recommendation not to do that uh as for what i've been watching um the, the the train rides for me are full of breaking bad deep into that now coming up to the final season uh, but I've only actually watched one other thing other than Dark and our movie of the week, Cold Pursuit. And um, this week I took a bit of a gamble and I went for uh, for an old movie. So, um, so yeah, Dan, it's you know time to time to get your 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 brill cream and um, maybe put some Elvis on the record player because. We're going back to the 1950s. I went all the way back to the 50s, and um, it's not a musical or anything like that. It's a, it is a 50s sci-fi classic of sorts, uh, Invaders from Mars, 1953. That old chestnut, which uh, I'm sure probably none of our listeners have even, ever heard of or watched before. But um, I wanted to do something a little bit different, and so this appealed to me. Um, it's, it's worth a watch. I'm going to start with that. I can see the smile on your face. Right, It's worth a watch. So you basically got this this young boy. He's looking out of his bedroom window. He gets woken up at night and he sees an alien spacecraft in the sky. It then lands and disappears underground. Um, and 
that's that's sort of how the, the movie starts off. And it, um, it's a kind of movie that's maybe been done lots of times. But what I like about this is, one, it's like literally one of the first movies to, to do this. And two, everything that you see um, is all through the eyes of like a 10-year-old boy. So when when the aliens are abducting people, no one else knows it's happening. And of course, no one believes this kid. So you sort of follow the kid's struggles. He tries to to sort of you know get his parents and the police and anyone just to sort of in, you know believe him and, and help. Um, so look, it's it, you know you're not watching this movie for, for for special effects or cinematography that kind of thing, um, but it was really good. It was just what it does effectively. I found and it reminded me of the original Alien movie is that it it doesn't show you the aliens for about ninety percent of the film. So that's like a really effective way of building up tension. Um, what these aliens look like you just know that they're in the ship that's buried under the ground and um yeah so that and that obviously helps with the fact that these aliens to be honest look pretty awful when you do see them but there's it's a real good sci-fi horror um and it's got one of those classic strong orchestral soundtracks like sort of like a hitchcock feel to it um so yeah every now and then i love an old movie and a, a sci-fi oldie is always a good find so if you're if you're an amazon prime subscriber and you're keen it's got a real good like rainy sunday afternoon feel to it i recommend it have you have you seen this movie dan i guess my first question is did something terrible happen to you as a child and (laughs) no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding um i haven't seen it i just did a, a quick um search for it and it's definitely got that nostalgic factor even the um the poster for the movie you can actually imagine in you know some cool new york apartment actually um and it looks like i like how it's um you know even on the poster it says photographed in color and it's got some it's got some appeal um i'm actually just in a a screen a, a photograph of the aliens at the moment mm. and i'm really enjoying the kind of i guess spoilers but in saying that you've had 70 years to watch it um the kind of onesie fluffy suit with kind of the yeah you know the the googly eyes it's 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 great i i imagine it would have been a lot of fun i i actually imagine making a movie back in 1953 would have been great because i feel like just everything about like a, a, such a different concept, I think, from how things are made today, and I, I, I think there's something kind of appealing about that. And I imagine there's probably film study students who really just like love to get amongst these movies. I just think I'm I'm so intrigued and interested about how you pick these movies, and I think to myself like you've got the whole catalogue at your fingertips. Yeah, you're subscribed to multiple services, and you think to yourself. You know what? I haven't seen the Invaders from Mars from 1953. I bet it's going to be all right. And I'm, I'm just intrigued. There's, there's a number of factors. Um, I've talked about it before. You know, it has to be like a certain length of time so I can watch it on the train. Um, also, it has to be something which I think I I doubt very much that you and I would choose to, to choose it as a movie of the week for us to review. Um, and then I also have the third factor, which is Diana and thinking – I doubt very much Diana would probably want to sit down and watch this. So those factors all come in. So it's kind of like what if I was in prison by myself (laughs) with with access to a TV and a video player and the internet, uh, what would I be watching all day? And, um, you know, it's just movies like this that I just think, 
I just, I just feel like I just want to find out what it's about because I've, I've seen the poster for that movie so many times. I don't know. I think it was in an old video shot. You know, we used to go hire like a blockbuster. I remember seeing that poster and I just thought, you have to watch that movie someday. So when I saw it on Amazon Prime, I was like, oh, do you know what? Oh, I'm going to give this a go. And there, there's just some elements to it that just work so well. So just a real quick, again, spoiler alert, the way the people, they, they disappear vertically through the sand with this look of terror on their faces. And it's just it's just actually really well done. And the fact that you don't get to see the aliens, again, is good because of the green onesie. But, but it's really good for building up tension because you have no idea what's going on under the ground where all these people are being abducted. And I, I feel like... I need to put a disclaimer in there. I feel like I give you a hard time about watching these movies sometimes. But uh, I actually like a lot of respect. I think, you know, it's it's actually good. Like it's good that, you know, we watch different things and um, you try out these different things. It's it's cool. I like more power to you. It's good. That then is all I have other than for us to um, to, to talk about Dark. So, um, so if we go straight into Dark and I guess first of all, for any German-speaking listeners who are joining us today at Half Measures, I guess it's time to see how much I remember from school. So, um, guten Tag und uh, willkommen zum Podcast Gespräche über die Netflix von sehr dark. Dann, der Anfang ist das Ende und das Ende ist der Anfang. Over to you, Dan, because you're driving this conversation because I have no license to drive this whatsoever. Okay, that was really impressive, and I think we should release this podcast in German as well. I could do like a whole version in German, right? Yep, okay. You could maybe, yeah, you could come and do a, a secondary episode. Okay, so I guess if you haven't seen Dark and this is a show that appeals to you, you might want to jump forward five minutes because we're going <laughs> to – we can't talk about the show without going into spoilers. But I want you to keep in mind, Paul and I both as grown adults – also probably have missed a lot of key points and may not even really give you spoilers because we might not have really understood what was going on. Yeah. So there's, there's no spoilers here. I don't, I don't think, um, I think we've both got that old man brain syndrome watching this one. Yeah. And so let's just talk about sort of the, the general premise of the show. So, so it's on Netflix, there's three seasons and you're kind of introduced to the, I guess the, the context of um, time travel. And for the majority of the show, you you basically are working with the premise that they're they're moving back and forth between um, different different time periods. And it, it start it sort of when I say eases you in, like it's a it's a steep hill, but it it, it tries to ease you in with um, small smallish jumps either back in time or forward in time. And that's that's all interesting. Um, and then as the, as the show, um, I guess, progresses, so the, actually I'll, I'll go back a little bit. So there's this time travel component and what it, the show is basically set around this sort of core group of families and various things happen in different time periods and different members of those families are going back and forth in time constantly to try and fix or... Um, change what's happened. So um, one character's, I don't know if I'm doing a good job explaining this, Paul, or not, or whether I'm just talking complete rubbish. <laughs> it's better than I could do. One, um, one character's uh, son 
basically goes missing. He goes back in time to find him. He gets stuck in another time period. He turns into an old man. His wife comes looking for him, eventually finds him as an old man. All sorts of, all sorts of wacky stuff happens. As time progresses, what we actually find out is it's not just about multiple different different time periods. It's actually about parallel universes. And I guess this is this is the, the, the real deep spoiler part of it. Are, are you shaking your head and don't say it or No 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 I'm 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 not shaking my head about it. I'm just shaking my head thinking I remember the moment we went into the parallel universes and that's when I put the T V out the window pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And so then we're going so so what I and I need you to like correct me on this if I'm wrong, Paul. So where where we're at with this show is there's actually three different um universes or, or earths as such. And there's one origin universe and then there's two subs two um alternate universes and there is every character they've, what they've done an amazing job of in this character and so in the show is you see many different versions of the same character and you're constantly kind of like, oh my God, that old person was that young person or that young person is now that old person. Mm. And every now and again, once you start to get familiar with those characters, there'll be um, features or haircuts or scars or whatever that might help you kind of connect the dots. But in general, I feel like this is a show where I always couldn't wait to watch the next episode, but I generally really at no point could clearly articulate what was going on. Yeah, I think how you've just summed it up at the end there is exactly what I was going to say. And it's kind of like it had me equal parts gripped and equal parts confused more than, you know, any other TV show I feel like I've ever, ever watched, ever, you know. And so when you say you've got the, the three the three main time zones, so like if you think about the present and then the past and the future and you get to know the characters in each of those three time zones, that was one thing. But then, when you join, you sort of brought in the, the additional mix of the the parallel universes. And did you notice how, like, when you were in different the alternate universe, like the house was back to front and the staircase went the other way? I didn't notice that. That was I didn't notice that. But you know, there's there's all those sorts of things that sort of um, just subtle differences, um, different haircuts, as you say, different scars and different family setups. But um, yeah, I mean, look, I used to think um, that shows like Lost or um, uh, Hannibal, or even I don't know, maybe uh, do you ever watch Fringe? You know, I used to think that got complicated at times, but then those are really primary school shows, and now I'm trying to fit in with the big kids in the high school of Dark, and I don't think I'm ready yet. Yeah, I feel like it would be like going from I'm at primary school, hmm. I'm going to skip intermediate in high school in New Zealand, I'm going straight to university, and I get the concept that there's still like a lecturer at the front of the class, but I have no concept of what they're saying. And I, I and look, it's not, it's not that complicated that you can't understand it. I think it's a show where you watch it, you're enjoying it. But for me, I feel like I'm definitely not, I'm not getting, I'll be lucky to get a C on this paper. Um, because I, but in a, and, and at the same time, I couldn't wait often to put the next episode on. And I think yeah. that's what made kind of binging it weirdly enjoyable. On the flip side, I was glad when it was finished. Yeah, I, I, that's exactly right. And just on that subject of binge watching, because I know I've sort of um, 
sort of uh what's the word Prom- promoted the idea of not binge watching and letting an episode ruminate you know like the mandalorian like the walking dead like star trek picard those shows that make you wait week by week i feel like if i was watching this episode by episode week by week i wouldn't stand a chance whatsoever so um i think the binging is the only way to go i would love to know if german speaking people found it as complicated um or whether the added dimension of reading subtitles was actually a big factor because I did do a quick, once we'd finished it in the last couple of days, I did do a quick um, search online, you know, most complicated TV shows ever. And this, this one alongside Twin Peaks, apparently um, came up all the time as being in like the top three of just about every list on every website you could care to imagine. So um, yeah. I'm not even sure how you go about pitching a show like this to be made and then how you bring the whole cast and crew on board with what's happening. And, and you know, you've talked about before how the dark Instagram pages are basically just photos and connections and post-its. And, um, and it's, it's such a complicated universe. And, uh, you know, how you mentioned this is uh, Diana's second time through at least the – seasons one and two Mm. i think a show that i think to maybe sit down and watch it again now kind of knowing the the general theme of what happens might get something different out of it um yeah yeah i think i think you you may be right in fact um diana herself said oh maybe it's because i've watched the first two seasons but to be honest (laughs) sitting on the couch it was like being next to neo in the matrix it was like she's got the and they're like the mind palace of Sherlock Holmes. And I could, I could see her mapping it all together. You know how like Tom Cruise in Minority Report is like moving his hands and moving things into place. That's basically what's going on. And there I am trying to work out like who, who this person on the screen is, let alone what their seven different relationships are. It was, um, yeah. I do think it would, it would have been interesting to watch um, each season and then have a break between the next season, because I think it would be a TV show where you would probably – theorize what's happening you know much like lost or a, a, another sort of you know show of this type of genre and you could probably have quite some quite interesting sort of fan theories about the way different things might play out mm. i think um the other thing about this tv show is i think it's it's pretty beautifully made i think all of mm. the cinematography looks incredible the attention to detail on all of the sets and like you mentioned sets in different um time periods or um, parallel universes having everything reversed like that would have taken hundreds of hours to and like we're talking like you know scenes inside um kids bedrooms where there's like art on the wall and things are flipped around in all of those scenes um the the soundtrack i think is really great lots of really great um 80s music um happening throughout it the i think that that the acting again and it's all top notch it's a it's a real top tier tv program and i'm with you i i would love to hear um what someone fluent in german um how they found the show because i I, i'm with you i think the hardest thing that i found was trying to read the subtitles and connect them back to that character and just then trying to follow what character was what and it, it was a lot going on at all times and you wanted to be able to sort of like do that all before the next line of subtitles came out because then you've got to start reading that again. And I don't know about your brain, but I can't be trying to process what I was thinking about 
three seconds ago if I'm reading dialogue right in front of me. So, um, yeah, the last few weeks watching all three seasons back to back, you know, an episode or two each night, you know, despite the struggles to keep up, I, I did love it. And, um, you know, it, it's unbelievably complex. I felt like I needed one of those family tree you know, cheat sheets to sort of on the lounge wall to sort of memorize it. I felt like one of these mornings, Diana was going to wake up and find me out in the lounge, like some crazy person that's connected things all over the wall with bits of, you know, string and what have you. But, um, you know, very addictive, mind bending, uh, the special effects, the editing you talked about, all really good. There were some, some really brutal scenes as well, you know, and, um, they, they intermingled those quite tastefully for want of a better word, you know, cause some of the scenes, you know, when there's kids involved, it's quite hard to watch, but you, you become really invested in what's happening. And, um, yeah, so I definitely recommend this as for anyone who loves a deep story, uh, you know, a bit of time travel, timelines interweaving, universes interweaving. I think you, you really need to get amongst the show as the kids say. Yeah, and I think, and this is where, if you like to watch a TV show and browse on your phone, this is not the show for you. This is a show you sit down and you concentrate on it, and that's how I think how you get the most out of it. Because even I think walking out of the room for a minute, you oh. will lose an important bit of information. No, no chance. You can't even look down at your, at your phone for five seconds and not be you know, completely lost. So, um, I'm in that regard, like you said, I'm I'm glad we got through it. I'm really glad I did it, but I'm also glad they didn't decide to stretch it out for another season, you know, because um, I just had to go back to some non-subtitle TV for a little while. I think it's – I actually found a few of the episodes a little bit on the long side, and, you know, they made such a big um, such a big deal throughout the whole series about, I guess, the rule of three. Mm. Um, they talked about a lot about, you know, 33 – um, was a, a common time period that jump in the in the first season in particular going back 33 years or forward 33 years it's a real shame I think that they didn't make this I think season one was 10 episodes season two was eight and season three was eight it would have been great to have made this 33 episodes but Maybe each episode was only about 40 minutes long. I think it just would have been another great mm. tie-in. Mm. I think they got that tie-in with making it three seasons. Um, but before, I guess one thing I'd, I'd be interested in picking your brain about, Paul, is what did you think about the, the the ending and how it ended with basically trying to revert the correct the timelines and recenter back in the, the origin universe? And we, we kind of end with that um, dinner scene, I guess. Mm. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, well, firstly, I found it's, it's obviously quite, you know, this is full spoilers, but it's quite sad, of course, that the main two characters that you sort of empathize and grown to, to get to know throughout the three seasons kind of don't exist, so to speak, uh, that they had to be cancelled out. So you sort of, you know, they had to sacrifice themselves, as it were. So that was quite sad. But then uh, I really, that scene around the dinner table, I found quite eerie when, a few of them were sort of like looking at various, like the yellow jacket and things and having deja vu as it were moments and sort of real chill, like, because we all have those moments of deja vu and I don't know what, what you think when you have it for me, I'm, you know, I'm quite sort of, uh, yeah, it's nothing, but you, you just, so sort of, you watch things like this and you think, Oh, you know, this is, this is really weird. So um, I really liked the ending, but at the same time it was, it was sad that of course those characters couldn't, continue to exist but you know we get sick and tired of hollywood endings don't we so i like it when there's something a bit different 
Yeah, it was it was kind of a weird ending for me. And I feel like it's an ending I don't know whether I'm really smart enough to understand. And I I I say that in the sense that it's really interesting, I think, in, in any show where they 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 bring in time travel parallel universes and then I think they bring in I guess the religious element of the whole Adam and Eva mm. concept of um almost kind of you know the um Jonas and I, I I can't think of the 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 girl's name Martha Martha um being so so core and then the yellow jacket a, a, appearing and it it kind of as you say interesting that they didn't exist in that universe but at the same time you could equally imagine kind of some some equally darker options or have they really actually fixed the or are they actually just the three universes still exist but just in this one that we saw the origin one that the corrections have been made but what's actually happening in those counter universes uh, look i don't know my brain hurts even trying to talk about it i can't even really articulate a good rationale for where it goes. We need an expert in this space. I feel but like it. Okay. The one thing I just wanted to, to reference in that, and which I really enjoyed, is their constant references to the Matrix, and I thought that was great. Yeah, agreed. you know they often talked about the glitch in the Matrix. I appreciated yeah. that as well. I thought that was really nicely done. Um, I was just, I was just sympathizing for the poor listener there if anyone's listening who hasn't watched this show they'll just be thinking what is this show and they're just like scrubbing forward like 10 15 seconds all the time thinking when are they going to stop talking about this yeah i i don't even know if we can say much more about it it's good i have no idea what really happened in the end um if any of the things that we've talked about interest you Go and watch it. I actually don't even know, to be honest with you, Paul. Even talking about the the spoilers that we've talked about, I don't even think that will impact your watching experience. Mm, give or take what we just said about the the end scene of the table, maybe. But no, I think you're right. Generally, you can still go watch it and get enough out of it because by the time you get yeah. to the end scene, your brain would have been so fried you would have forgotten whatever we've said about it. That's dark, ladies and gentlemen. Check it out if you're interested. It is dark. Your friends. It is dark. It's definitely not Stranger Things. I uh, I definitely take that back from when I when we first talked about it. Hmm. Shall we get into our movie of the week? Yeah. So this was uh, your choice, Paul. And um, what did you pick for us? So yeah. So this week I picked uh, Cold Pursuit, uh, a uh, 2019 movie. Um, starring Liam Neeson, um, and I guess before we get into it, as always, we'll just give a quick, quick description of it. So, uh, quiet family man and hard-working snowplow driver Liam Neeson is the lifeblood of a small town in the Rocky Mountains, and he's um, he's pretty much everyone's favourite person because he's the only one who can keep the winter roads clear. Uh, but he has to leave his quiet mountain life when his son is tragically murdered by a really, uh, really powerful drug lord. And so basically he's got nothing to lose um, and he's you know, completely driven by revenge and vengeance. And so he uses his, his, his hunting skills to transform from an ordinary man into a, a skilled killer as he sets out to dismantle the cartel and ignite a turf war. So that's the premise. And um, 
what are you thinking, Dan? What did did you enjoy this? What what were your impressions? So I guess a little um, behind the scenes peek. So the way that we we pick these movies is we obviously take turns, and the way that it works is you have to come up with two movies, and then the other person gets to pick one of them. So there's kind of a little bit of choice in there. And when I picked this movie, I this movie I think is not what I thought it was going to be and I would probably imagine for like unless you saw a trailer for it I think the poster doesn't necessarily even tell you what it's really about mm. for me it's a I, I expected a a Taken-esque type movie or, and you know probably a bit, a bit more serious mm. but this movie is actually a, a it's a it's a dark comedy um and it, it 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 does have Liam Neeson in a in a taken um, type vibe, and he is basically on a a one man journey to remove anyone who was involved with killing his son. But there's a real comical component to it, and mm. it, it really caught me off guard. So from the in the first sort of ten minutes, I was kind of like, oh god, am I going to enjoy this? And as it kind of as as it kind of got into it, I, I had a pretty good time. I think it's uh, light-hearted enough that it's an easy watch. I think the the notion of it is fun. It actually reminds me a lot of the the Fargo TV yes. series. Yes, I made that note myself. Funnily enough, and I think the way they um, kind of show the demise of each character is really really fun. It's a movie which, yeah, I think this is a great Friday night movie. I agree. I just like you, I enjoyed it. You know, very similar vein to you, mainly because it delivered something completely different to what I expected. And you know, based on the synopsis and the poster, which is you know all I pretty much go off of, I was just expecting a you know a gritty revenge type, maybe a bit like the Foreigner that we watched you know a couple of weeks ago, but this time with you know Liam Neeson bringing his. Uh, this particular set of skills to the table but um i wouldn't say we've got an action comedy here so uh, yeah it's not like a it's not like a lethal weapon or a bad boys or you know or whatever but it's certainly a movie that um whilst it gives you that sort of tension and there's some great plot and some action there's a real good dose of that you know really cleverly written uh written humor and i really did appreciate that that side of it again like you was not expecting it and uh yeah you're right whenever someone sort of um you know, gets killed i really appreciated the way they sort of you know brought up the the little um visual nod to that death and the, the character's nickname written beneath it i thought that was that was pretty cool it's interesting isn't it because i think ever since taken the movie Liam Neeson i think has been quite typecast mm-hmm. and I really like Liam Neeson uh, as an actor, but I do think he he's often playing the character of the the revenge driven dad lover, whoever whoever it may be, and it's it's interesting because I when, when I think of um, Liam Neeson, I guess I think Razagul from mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Batman. And I think Taken, and I, you know, Taken was such a great movie back in the day. And this has got some—it's got some of those those vibes to it. And I—it's actually kind of fun that it was in the in the snow. I—it also made me think a lot about the 
um, the the Plow King episodes of The Simpsons. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> and I just like, and I think you're right. Like, you know, the most important guy in the town is the guy that can clear the roads. And I kind of enjoyed actually at the start of the movie. They kind of set him up as you know he's kind of been celebrated by the town. Mm. Um, he's got a a wife and a, a and a kid, and obviously that'll that'll change us pretty quickly. I I think the one thing the movie didn't set up well for me is I didn't really have any empathy for for his child. Like that was really just a plot point, and I like there was no real context about why why his son gets killed. Well, there is, but not it wasn't deep. No. Um, and then obviously his wife leaves him pretty early on, and then it's just a, a series of unfortunate events for everyone else involved. Yeah, no, you make some good points there. The one thing I sort of feel, you know, ever since Taken, I'm actually now at the point where I will just sit down and watch any movie where Liam Neeson is on a poster looking stressed out or poised to strike or angry or about to get revenge or something. I feel like there's a limited time window for him to play these sort of roles. So I'll watch them all. Um, Plus he's got, you know, his voice is just, you know, we talked about Sean Connery last week. His voice is just another one of those. It's just an all time best for me. Maybe that's another podcast for us then. All time screen voices, I think. Paul, Um, what is wrong with me? I, Liam Neeson is Qui-Gon Jinn, one of my favourite Star Wars characters of all time. I, I, I was sitting here thinking, what up, Liam Neeson? What else has he been in? And I, I'm an idiot. I was I'm just, idiot. I was just about to say, I was, that was the second thing I was going to call you on. Was um, I actually found myself taken out of the movie a little bit for those brief scenes where he was with his wife, because of course his wife was Laura Dern. So we had at one point, all I could see was Qui-Gon Jinn with Admiral Holdo as a, mar- a married couple on holiday in Hoth. Um, you know, it's uh, I always like it when Star Wars characters sort of cross paths in other movies. And then the other thing you touched on was the slow, the snow play. And can I say, I'm really shocked how fast those things go. Like in my mind, they should be going really slowly, like the sort of, you know, like the road sweepers or something, but, or maybe like, you know, the, the Auckland traffic on a Monday morning. But the, instead, Liam Neeson is like really driving these things really fast and quite furiously. And yet the machine is, you know, still able to um, to chug through the through the snow. So, uh, yeah, a lot of interesting things in there. This, the, this is the only one um, small movie detail, which um, I feel like I always like feel chuffed with myself when I notice these things, is – how clean all the cars were for driving through the snow. Like you remember that one point when that that Jeep gets like ploughed by the yeah. by the snow king, and it, it, it's so clean. I don't know if you've ever driven through the snow, Paul, but that is a dirty, dirty time. It is, and there was none of that. It's people driving around in their Teslas with with snow chains on. Those cars all look beautiful. So, um, the other thing you said, um. What did you call it? Oh, yeah, that was it, Fargo. That was the thing I, I made on my um, brief notes here. I wrote down it, reminded me a little bit of Fargo. I felt like there was a little bit of Tarantino in there, uh, Tarantino, I think, maybe, a little bit. But um, uh, I found that, you know, some of the side characters were pretty good as well, those relationships. So those two local cops, um, the one, the old guy on his way out, um, played by, I can't think of the guy's name now, he, he plays the, the mafia guy in Gotham, Um and then the other is that, you know, hungry, up-and-coming, smart cookie. And I thought those two were good. I thought the relationship between Liam Neeson and the, the bad guy's kid, I thought that was quite an interesting um, 
dynamic. Um, yeah. It's interesting you say that. So, um, so the cop, so the, the female cop was, um, Emily, Emily, I'm having a stroke. <laughs> Please don't. Not on air, Please, at least. Not, not, not on air. Um, why is, why is her name coming out this way? I feel like this isn't her name. Um, it's saying, um, Emmy, Emmy Rusin, but that's not oh. how I, I, I didn't think it was that. Anyway, um, she plays Fiona in <laughs> Shameless and, which is a, a great, great TV show, uh, the American version. So highly recommended. I actually thought the cops were almost kind of not even needed for the story. Obviously, they play yeah. a, a, an interesting role sort of throughout it, but you could have not had them, and I don't think it would have really impacted the story. And I actually thought they had two pretty big actors for what weren't really – main roles yeah that's true and same with laura dern right she she was sort of there and oh, yeah. there was no resolution after she sort of walked out and just sort of left him a, a note with nothing written on it i thought that was quite a an odd one as well but uh yeah there was there was some real hilarious dialogue in there you know there was all those brutal fatalities um it was kind of um yeah it was just there's just a lot of different things in there that just Played off well against each other. I also liked it. Did you notice at the end credits how they did the they they showed the cast in order of disappearance? I thought that was quite a, a nice little touch. Um, yeah, this one seems to be like a, a middle of the road one on most of the things. Like IMDb gives it a six point two out of ten, but um, yeah, I, I I rate it a bit higher than that myself. Yeah, I think for me it's a look on the the guns akimbo. I don't know how many how many guns that goes up to. Seventeen. But on a yeah, seventeen gun. It's probably you know this is it's probably about a if it, if it was out of ten, I'd probably give it a seven maybe. Hmm. Like it's yeah, it's 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 good. It's enjoyable. I you could definitely do worse when you're randomly picking a movie. You're definitely going to have a bit of fun, particularly I think if you like Fargo, the Fargo series, and I, I think good call on the. Uh, Quentin Tarantino vibe as well. All those components are there. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually really enjoy that sort of humor too when, you know, they're kind of making a bit of a, a mockery of, I think, mobsters and death and all that sort of thing. And there's that great scene where they're, this guy's obviously going to die, but they, they don't want to, they don't want to kill him on the, on the fancy rug. So they, can you, can you just take a couple of steps? Yeah, that's, right. that's good. So great. So great. I, I imagine that's a real, a real factor when you're when you're in the mob. It's important, right? Good choice, Paul. Good choice. Yes. Yeah, so back to you for for next week's movie. Yeah, choice in, in your hands, then. And so, yeah, if you want to, um, I guess, watch along with us. So what we've been doing is we've been posting the the movie choice of the week in our Discord channel. So if you want to, you know, get prepared, watch what we're watching. That way, you can kind of listen in uh, without having the the movie spoiled for you. Come and check out what the what the movie is. So that must just about be time for us to move on to the. Do you want to go mailbag newsroom? What's your choice for? I reckon I reckon we go to the to the newsroom first because I don't know about you, but I have very very little in the newsroom. I can give you mine real quickly, um, and I don't know if this is of any interest to you, Dan. But um, Courtney Cox is going to reprise her role as Gail Weathers in another screen movie. And this is a movie franchise that I really came to really, really late, like literally in the last five years. And it was through Diana and having gone back and it's got a, got like a retro feel. I actually found them quite interesting. So 
I'm keen to see another Scream movie, even if it is complete trash. Um, and then uh, in our news channel, Freckled Pretzel dropped a, a bit of news about the uh, the live action adaptation of Mulan. Uh, we'll be making a unexpected move to the streaming platform, Disney+. Plus. So, yeah, that's what I've got. Um, oh, interesting, interesting. I think two things um, on that. So I feel like Scream's one of those um, movie series I got in on from the start, and I feel like I don't necessarily feel a strong desire to go back. But right. we'll see, we'll see. Maybe if it's got enough of the, the, right, the right things going on, I could be interested. And actually one of my bits of news was also around um, – Mulan actually just sort of building on what Freckled Pretzel mentioned. So interesting with Mulan, obviously one of the movies that has been delayed constantly with COVID. Um, and we, you know, we've been talking about movies and their schedules and when they're going to actually release in theaters. So interesting that this is releasing straight to Disney plus, mm. but not straight to Disney plus for free. You're actually going to have to pay $30 to watch it, which is interesting. And I can see your face of, of, Pure outrage. Triggered. I'm tri- I, I'm paying $10 a month to Disney basically for nothing because all I wanted was The Mandalorian and that's finished and I just really haven't been using the service at all but I'm too lazy to turn it off and the kids have been watching stuff on it. Now they want another 30. Wow. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be an interesting test for them because they, from all the um, media that I've been reading around this, this isn't a, a new model they're trialing. This is this is purely something they're just doing, doing with Milan. I think there's been quite, quite good success with um, this with the Scooby-Doo movie and I feel like another movie like Trolls or something where like I think Scooby-Doo, when they put that out on iTunes or probably various other platforms, that was $25.00. Um, straight on demand so it'll be interesting to see how Mulan does and I I think what's interesting about it is a bit like you Paul I don't know whether I'd be willing to throw more money at Disney Plus Mm. when I feel like I haven't really got anything extra for my money I feel like it would be actually better to release it on an iTunes or something at a premium price and then I wouldn't feel quite so gypped about it um but yeah, I think this will this will be one to watch. I think, and not in terms of the film, but just in terms of how this kind of plays out and whether this has, I think, bigger impacts on other movies which are, are being constantly delayed. Mm. Anyway, what what have you got news wise, Dan? Because that's all I got this week. Um, well, I guess linked to that uh, Disney Plus um, information is so Disney Plus has just hit sixty point five million paid subs. So that's that's a lot. Like if we do a like a quick, uh, what are we talking back of the on back of the envelope calculation here? Um, that's that's a lot of zeros, more zeros than my phone can handle. Correct. Um, you know that's it's amazing. That's, that's, a, that's a lot. That's a lot. That that's my phone can't even process that many zeros. And I think what's interesting about this, and even linked to your point, so. I think for the majority of people, and I'm generalizing here, uh, The Mandalorian would have been a real big um, reason for signing up to Disney+. Plus. I think getting access to uh, the Star Wars movies, the Marvel movies um, are good. I think the, there's some added bonuses if you're a Simpsons fan or some of that, that wider Disney universe. Mm. 
a lot of it is one-off watches, though, if you know what I mean. Like, obviously, you could go back any time and watch any of the Star Wars films, any of the, the Marvel films. But the real big, I think, draw card for Disney Plus is actually that whole um, Marvel genre of um, TV series, which I meant to be coming, Captain America. Captain America um, and the, oh, sorry, not Captain America. God, get it together. Um, is Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Right. Um, there's the WandaVision. There's um, the Loki TV show. And so, but all of those have obviously been delayed. I think we were lucky that The Mandalorian Season 2 was, I think, largely filmed before COVID hit. Correct. But I think the things, like, I don't know about you, but I signed up for a year with Disney Plus, and that, I guess, rolls around in November. But I think at this point, after I've watched The Mandalorian Season 2, I'm probably thinking about switching to a monthly subscription because I don't know whether it's got enough for me to keep watching. And apart from maybe needing to occasionally watch a, one of those Marvel or Star Wars movies, which I own on other platforms mm. because they're, you know, they're, they're, they're not new movies, um, there feels like little little need to kind of keep it. And I think with just with the COVID situation, who knows when some of these other shows are actually going to be able to be released. So I, can't, I, can't, I guess I kind of worry for Disney Plus about what their, what their retention plan is because the competition, I think, is high. There's a, there's a lot of streaming platforms out there now. I think people are cautious about, you know, as, as financial harder times hit, they're cautious about where they spend their money. And I think, I think they're going to have to do something about it. I think you're right. Otherwise, you know, if they lose me, if they lose you, they're going to start to notice that. I think, you know, those zeros are going to start dropping away. That's two hundred dollars, you know. That's just from us. Just from us. Gone. They can't afford to lose it. Um, my other bit of news is actually about Keith Sutherland and Twenty Four. Did you ever watch Twenty Four, the TV show? No, I watched the odd episode here or there, but it really didn't make a lot of sense unless you watched the whole thing. I think. Yeah, I think you're right. So, Twenty Four is one of those TV shows which I think for me really introduced me to the idea of um, quality TV shows where you got some great character depth and um, deeper storytelling. And I came into 24 probably around season four or five, so kind of a little bit late to the game, but just absolutely fell in love with the, uh, the concept of the show, Keith Sutherland's character, I can't see Keith Sutherland in any role but as Jack Bauer from 24 anymore. Jack Bauer is the guy you want on your team who doesn't follow the rules but gets the job done no matter what. And obviously they made a 24, I think Keith Sutherland did seven seasons um, of 24, which which is a lot. You know, when you think each each um, mm. season's 24 episodes. And I think by the end of that, it was getting quite tired and a little bit repetitive. Um, and they brought out 24 again a couple of years ago with a, a different actor, and actually an actor from uh, The Walking Dead. And I can't think of his name. He fell off the bridge, and then we didn't see him again. Can you remember that character? I, no, I was thinking it was – wasn't it 20 – so it's not 24 Hours to Live. No, that was a movie. 20, no, no, no. Uh, I'll, 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 um, I'll look it up um, when you're talking. Um, so anyway, Keith Sutherland has basically signaled an interest that he would like to return 
um, as the character Jack Bauer and would be interested in either doing a, a movie or a TV show continuation. And Paul, I'm, I'm on board. I freaking loved it. I would watch more Keith Sutherland as Jack Bauer in a heartbeat. It, it, even every now and again, I think about, I should, I should get out 24, but it's such a big commitment. Such a big commitment, but so good. I feel like I need to um, give this one a go. Are you thinking of Corey Hawkins? Was that the guy from the, the Walking I'm gonna Dead? Look, I'm going to look it up. So you just you okay. just you just fill up the deep silence for a few moments, and I'll, while I look it up. Um, Twenty Four is a show that I haven't seen. Um, you know, I'm really filling the time here. I, I just feel like when it's an old show, like people keep talking to me, how can you not have seen The Wire? It feels like another one of those shows, 24, The Wire. There's a whole bunch of shows that it feels like the rest of the world have watched and I haven't. And I feel like, do I want to invest the time I need to put into it to actually watch it all? And um, at the moment, there's just so much competition out there, not least for movies from 1953. But I feel like, you know, it's a real commitment to actually to go out there and, and watch a show like that. So I don't know. I'm not discounting it. I may do it. But for now... I've got a lot of things on the watch list, so I'm I'm struggling to find the actor, and I feel terrible that I I can't find it. But maybe during the the mailbag, I'll try and find it and, and come back to it. But I think it's a it's probably a crime that you haven't watched The Wire. I think Twenty Four can be a bit forgiven because it's it is. Uh, like 24 episodes is a lot, but I think the first couple of seasons of 24 was really what, when it was at its best. And I just remember, and I don't, I don't know whether this would translate actually to current day, but watching those episodes and just thinking to myself, I don't know how Jake Bauer is going to get out of this. It was a real, like real Batman as a kid situation. I don't know how Batman is going to get out of this. And he does. And he does every time. It's great. He always gets out of it. Yeah, it's good. And there's some great twists and turns, so um, it, it, it could be a fun thing to watch at some point. But you, you definitely should watch The Wire. That's that's um, Yeah, a lot of people have said that. That's a watch. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, what else have I got? Oh, this might be a bit of news that you're interested in. Uh, Hunters has been renewed for season two at Amazon. So Excellent. A show I haven't started yet, but you're, you're a big fan of season one? Yeah, it was real good, really well cast, real interesting story plot lines twists and turns and uh again i always think of it always strikes me the the opening credits so strong for hunters and i i know i keep saying this but we've got to do it then we've got to do podcasts where we we talk about the best opening theme songs and the best opening credits because hunters is is really right right up there good good oh it's still on my list to check out it's um it's hard, isn't it? There's just there's so much to watch. There's so little time. Correct. If only this was a, a full time job. And my my final bit of news. Now you'll probably be all over this because this is a, a pretty old TV show. You may remember Paul from back in the day a TV a little TV show called Who's the Boss. Yes. Do you remember that show with um, uh, Tony Danza um, and uh, Melissa Milano? Um, I'm going to give a real terrible description of this show. Basically, Tony Danza and his daughter um, go and be- I think he becomes like a housekeeper, looks after the family of, of like a 
this woman and her son and she's like an ad executive. I don't know. It's one of those TV shows from the 80s that I don't really remember anything about. I watched um, one or two probably, episodes, I think. Probably groundbreaking for its time, probably challenged a whole bunch of um, gender norms. Anyway, you'll be delighted to know, Paul, they're bringing it back. And they're bringing back Tony Danza and Melissa Milano are interested in being in being part of it. So, look, I'm sure we'll be talking about it. I'm sure it's probably going to be I – don't, I don't even know what they're going to do with those characters. They're both going to be quite a bit older now. <laughs> quite a bit older, I imagine. Yeah, that last ad in children. 1992 it finished. And, yeah, I can honestly say I think I may have watched one or two episodes. So, um, yeah, that's that's one I never expected to hear about again, ever. Look, it's been a slow news week, right. so um, <laughs> when we're talking about who's the boss, you know, it's getting a bit grim. Okay. But I thought, you never know, you never know. We've got we've got a, a wide um, a range of topics that we cover here at the Half Measures Podcast. That's correct. But yeah, that's all I've got. All right. Well, I'll um, quickly run through what I've got here for the mailbag. A um, couple of bits and pieces, as usual. Leonard Wu uh, from Alita Battle Angel. But Dan, you may know him as. Um, and forgive me on the pronunciation, Ryuzu from Ghost of um, Tsushima. Uh, he shared our review post from last week, so that was pretty cool. That's that's great. I forgot to mention I've been playing so much Ghost of Tsushima. It is – I've finished the main story, incredible game. It gets all the guns, all the guns akimbo, all the samurai swords. That's good. Incredible. That's good. Game. There's more. There's more from that uh, to come in the mailbag. So uh, here we go. Uh, what else have I got here? Oh, no, this one here, first of all. So one of our regular listeners, uh, Bruce Gray, tweeted us again. Uh, this time a, a post from TNT, uh, a post about Doctor Strange and Doc Brown uh, from Back to the Future, both knocked on your door. Which which doctor would you uh, go on an adventure with? So Bruce is keen to see us do a podcast in the future for best doctors on film. I like the sound of that. I've got a couple I can already think of for my list, so we'll keep that one on the list. Um, last week, we reviewed Bad Samaritan, and uh, we actually had hundreds of engagements with our posts on Twitter, which was which was great, including a, a few highlights there. We had David Hayter, uh, who he wrote the screenplays for the first two X-Men movies, um, and also uh, Watchmen. Uh, Mark Shepard, who you and I know from Battlestar, Galactica as um, Romo Lampkin, that defense attorney with the with the cool sunglasses and the the Irish accent. Uh, he's probably better known from Supernatural, I think. But um, yeah, he was on there as well. Of the movie itself, we had Carlito Olivero, who starred as Derek, who was the the other valet thief. Um, shared our review as well. And we also had a heap of retweets, including the director of Bad Samaritan himself, uh, Dean Devlin, which was great. The writer, Brandon Boyce. Um, the, the writer of the movie Venom, uh, the two actresses from Bad Samaritan who played um, Helen and Riley, the two respective girlfriends of David Tennant and Robert Sheehan's characters, um, Lisa Brennan and Jacqueline Byers, they both retweeted us as well. Um, so that was that was really good. Um, we got quite a few uh, extra listens through that, which is always good. Um, following on from that review, another regular listener, um, Darwin Hannon from Chicago, uh, he's now keen to check out the movie. He hasn't seen it yet, but he's mentioned that he does love David Tennant and Good Omens. So we'll be keen to hear what you think of that movie, Darwin. Uh, he also commented on our Sean Connery peak performance conversation from last week. He didn't give us what his peak performance was, but he did comment that he found Highlander, the original version with Connery and uh, 
quite confusing. Um, we actually had quite a few responses on the Connery conversation, actually. Um, we had Jackie Carroll, who's an American singer-songwriter from Florida. She went with Henry June Sr. from Last Crusade as her pick. We had Norman Lau from Roddenberry.com again. Uh, this time he posted no words, just a picture of Sean Connery um, as Zados. Is it Zados or Zados? I'm not sure how you pronounce it. He put that on our Facebook page. Um, all I can say is that the image is now etched into my mind. So if you, ever, if you haven't seen the film, if you just Google it, it's uh, Z-A-R-D-O-Z. And uh, you can see for yourself the costume that Sean Connery wears in that movie. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. Um, and in fact, Norman's co-host, actually, uh, John Champion from Mission Log Podcast, also commented, this was actually on our Instagram post, um, uh, he basically said, you know, he was referencing the fact that um, Zados didn't make the list. Um, a bit of tongue-in-cheek humor there, because, yeah, once you've seen the picture, you'll know why. Uh, Paddy from Time Traveling Team Podcast, uh, he went with a joint peak performance of Henry Jones Sr. and Malone, just like you, Dan, from Untouchables. Plus, he also gave an honorable mention for The Rock, uh, speaking of Paddy, uh, he also commented on your Ghosts of um, Tsushima review and noted that, um, you know, if you, you watch 47 as a result of that game, Paddy says, if you're in the mood, 13 Assassins is probably another good one to watch as well. And um, finally, Paddy and his co-host Trisha uh, listened to the podcast and said that they are up for the Doctor Who quiz that we threatened them with. So we're just finalizing the questions for that and looking forward to having them on the, the podcast soon. They've just finished season one of Doctor Who on their podcast, um, which is becoming a regular weekly staple in my podcast playlist. So, um, yeah, so good on you, Trisha and Patty, for getting that first season under your belt. And that's all for the mailbag this week, then. That's um, a really great recommendation for another Ghost of Tsushima type of movie. I've just looked it up. I'm interested. I'm definitely going to check that out if I can find it on a platform. And on a positive note, I finally found out the name of the the character in the the kind of rebooted 24, um, who it's actually um, Corey Hawkins. And so Corey Hawkins played Heath in The Walking Dead. And so Heath is one of those characters that I think he fell off a bridge or went missing in in a herd situation. And anyway, it's un- inconclusive whether he's alive or dead. So he's one of those characters that I think potentially could could reappear. So um, sorry, Corey, couldn't find. It was really hard to find your details for some reason. Oh, I'm, I'm glad that we as a team got there in the end. That's the main thing. Um, time for our peak performance, Dan. And I have been greedy the last couple of weeks and always gone first and stolen all the movies that you want to talk about. So I'm going to hand this one straight to you. Yeah, okay, thanks, Paul. Um, it's great to see – it's great to hear on Instagram and on Twitter all those additional movies that people kind of mm. choose as their, their favourite um, movies for these actors and actresses. And this week we've gone with um, two two people, which I think it's, it's going to be a tough choice. And I feel like, Paul, you're really going to have to limit yourself and – you know, not just list out every movie that you've ever been in and how much you love it. I think, you know, you're really going to have to, like, pinpoint for me okay. what is what is your favourite. Okay. So so the two characters this week, characters, people this week is, so Jennifer Lawrence and Robert De Niro. So we might start with uh, Jennifer Lawrence this week. So 
it's interesting to kind of, I think, have Jennifer Lawrence and Robert De Niro in the same category because Jennifer Lawrence, obviously, very still very early in her career, mm. probably has a, a lot of great movies still to make. Robert De Niro still making movies, but in another another guy that's that's getting on in age. Um, like he's he's not Clint Eastwood old, but he's yeah he's up there. That's right. He's up there. So looking at the um, looking at, at Jennifer Lawrence's movies, obviously uh, a real obvious choice, and I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put it as, as my as my runner up. I think would be. Um, that the Hunger Games mm. um, franchise, I think Jennifer Lawrence does a, a fantastic job of um, playing Katniss. I think she's uh, a great, a great hero. There's some great storytelling. I think that's there's a real great link to the to the book to movie universe. And you know, these movies are you know the first one came out in 2012 and it still stands up today, but the actual movie I'm going to go with for my my peak performance for Jennifer Lawrence is a movie called Mother. And so, and I was kind of I was torn on choosing this because it's a it maybe may not be a movie that appeals to everyone, but I think her performance in Mother, which came out in 2017, is one of those really dark, kind of twisted movies. Which a bit like, a bit like Netflix is dark. I wasn't actually a hundred percent sure what was going on, but once I understood what was going on, and even after the after the movie, talking about with other people, so deep and so complex. And I think the character that uh, Jennifer Lawrence plays in this movie is she does such a a compelling job of showing you this such a great range of emotion. The the movie. Um, the movie's kind of set in quite a a, a small um, like it's it's a little bit claustrophobic, you know. We, mm. we talk about these movies with mm. sort of like um, like it's all kind of set within this this one home. It's it's sort of in the the genre of drama, horror, mystery, and it's a movie I don't really want to talk too much about because there's some there's some really big um, plot twists in the movie and there's some important information which I think you know you're better to go on the journey but if you're if you're a Jennifer Lawrence fan I think Mother for Me stands out as one of one of her peak performances in a, a movie which I don't think is for everyone but a movie that will leave you thinking for days weeks months to come mm. have you seen Mother? No, I haven't. I was just looking at it then as you were talking about it, and I seem to recall reading about this when it came out, but no, I never never saw it. Certainly, sounds very, very different. Gets some interesting um, comments and reviews. So, uh, yeah, interesting. Also, choice. it's got a stellar cast as well. It's got yeah, Ed it's Harris, that. Michelle Pfeiffer, um, Don Hall Gleason, um, Xavier Bardem. It's great. Yeah, that's right. It's it's really great. Um, it is a movie that you might watch and think, "What the hell have I just seen?" But like, if you if you've watched it, Paul, I would I would love to have a bit of a deep dive about it because it's it's kind of a bit of a mind bender. Okay. What What about you for Jennifer Lawrence? Yeah, so I had a look back through the catalogue of stuff, and the one that stuck out straight away was you know because you know she won the Oscar for it was um, the uh, Silver Lining Playbook, um, and you know I. 
I can't remember enough about her performance or that movie specifically to say that it would make it as my choice. I remember thinking it was good at the time, um, but um, yeah, I I kind of went a little bit deeper into a catalog for a while into things, but I kept coming up with some of the more well-known things that were things that I thought she was was good in. So I even like her role, you know, in the X Men movies. She's one of the highlights of those new actors and actresses coming in. I think she plays Raven really well. Um, I also thought she was good in that movie Passengers with um, Chris Pratt, that sci-fi flick. It was a movie that I always felt there was something not quite, not quite enough. I don't know something not quite right, but I thought that I thought that she was quite good in it. Um, I also uh, saw some of the you know the the options not taken, and one of them because I've got to get it in there was uh, the latest Star Trek movie with Idris Elba. Um, she was potentially going to be in that movie, but it didn't work out for various reasons. But the character's name in the movie was called Jailer. And that was basically because in writing the movie, Simon Pegg had a, a J-Law, you know, as she's known, in, in his in his mind for the part. So that name stuck with the character. So the character ended up being called Jailer anyway. Um, but you know what? I, I think probably her role as Katniss in The Hunger Games and, and probably that very first uh, you know the one from 2012 that's 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 my pick i think that like what you were talking about i think she encapsulate that character really well i really feel like i'm on her side watching that movie i feel really invested in her in her character and you know i want her to survive i i, I you know she makes me care about the people that she cares about in that movie so so yeah so a little bit cliche to go for that one which is the, the classic pick but um i just I really rate her performance in that movie. So that's, that's my peak performance for, for Jennifer Lawrence. It's a great choice. It actually made me think of another movie, which have you seen Red Sparrow? Oh, with Helen Mirren, isn't it? Yeah. I saw that on the list. Uh, yeah, no, that's a, that's a really another great um, Jennifer Lawrence performance, um, which would, would be a, a great, a great runner up option. Um, Jennifer Lawrence basically plays a, uh, a Russian agent um, who's been trained since a young age, and it's it's really cool. Um, I think she's got so much range, and I imagine you know, fast forward five years, you know, mm. and, and we could talk about her again, and I'm sure there'd be a whole bunch of new new great movies. Yeah, I think one of the things I struggle with was, with this is um, that I just simply haven't seen enough of her catalogue beyond some of the the big hitters, and um, yeah, I probably need to just catch up on a few of her movies i think cool so should we move on to our other actor robert de niro so this is going to be tough this is going to be tough robert de niro has a catalog of so many great movies i feel like even choosing one or two to talk about is going to be doing an injustice to every other movie that he's ever been a part of and I think just to kind of acknowledge them, they're, they're not my choices, but obviously his role in The Godfather and movies like Taxi Driver. It, you know, we, we talked last week about The Untouchables. There's Al Capone in that. He's, he's another actor that just is, is so great. And he's in one of my all-time favorite movies, uh, which is which is Goodfellas, but I'm, the, the two movies I'm actually going to go with for my runner-up movie, I'm going to go with Heat. So he's got such a great 
he's such a great character in Heat, and I feel like Heat is, uh, I think, a, a much-loved fan movie, a movie I actually haven't seen for quite a few years, but one that I would actually really welcome watching again. He's got a, a great line in the movie, which I'm going to butcher, around um, don't have anything in your life that you're not prepared to walk out on in the next 15 seconds. And it's so badass. It's so badass. And as soon as I heard that line, I used to say it to people all the time just to be annoying. And, yeah, so great. But the movie I'm actually going to go with for my my peak performance for Robert De Niro is actually the the 1995 movie Casino, and it's kind of in the same genre for me as Goodfellas. But I the reason I went Casino is I think he plays much more of a, a main role than he does in, in Goodfellas, mm. and I think just Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, Sharon Stone, their movie is a. A roller coaster experience. Martin Scorsese is the director. Just the 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 journey of Robert De Niro's character from um, gangster to casino owner to all the things that that come with that to dealing with the mafia to anywhere that Joe Pesci is in. You know, there, there's trouble closely followed. And look on on any any other day of the week, I could probably pick another movie that would be peak performance. But for me, this week, it's Casino. Nice. Look, you've said so many great things there um, that I just agree with 100% across the board. And Dan, you've done it again. I mean, you know, you did Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, the, the greatest actor of our generation, Bobby D, the greatest actor possibly of all time. I don't know. There's another podcast idea. Um, there was... Brian Walker. Yeah, well, these are these are the the big actors that we need to talk about. The first thing I want to talk about just really quickly is because I was never going to give this to a comedy role, but I feel like De Niro and comedy is an, as a new genre in itself. And like movies like the Fockers uh, trilogy and the analyze this type movies really proved De Niro can, you know, is a comedy master. I actually wish he'd done a few more. There's so many great lines from those movies. And I feel like th- those performances uh, are funny largely, I think, because of the weight of work behind him, because we've seen him as all those other characters that for him to do the comedy portrayal is just is just hilarious. And it's that sort of that, you know, like you said, the weight of the work where the dilemma is how do you pick one with so many standouts? And you've already given me fair warning that I can't list out all seventy three that I was planning on listing. Um because we'll be here for a for a good two hours. Um couple of highlights then for me. The fan, not his best movie. But he was terrifying as that crazy baseball fan. So good. Terrifying in Cape Fear. Men of Honor, I really liked too. Um, his role as that sort of overly racist uh, guy training the, the the first ever African-American Navy diver. The, the movies you've mentioned, I think Goodfellas is the better movie, but I think De Niro in Casino is the better performance. So um, I think good call on, on, on going with that. With Heat, I feel like I can't. I can't separate Pacino and him together. It's, it's kind of um, kind of like with last year's movie, The Irishman. It's kind of like uh, I feel so drawn to it because of the the two of their on screen chemistry. But you're right, fantastic character, and you know never never have anything in your life that you are prepared to walk out in thirty seconds. You feel the heat come around the corner. It's, it's great. It's a great line. You know, use it more often. Um, 
you know, the honourable mentions that you've done for Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, and the work with Marty Scorsese. My runner-up is actually The Godfather Part Two, and that is a little cliche, I know, but to take on that role that, you know, Marlon Brando had won the Oscar for, and to then go and get the Oscar yourself playing the same character but younger, just incredible. An insanely good movie, and just, I just... I can't see past it. I was determined to not have it as my number one because it felt too cliche. So I went real deep into my De Niro collection because I actually own 37 De Niro movies on Blu-ray and DVD. And I'm actually going to go with a bit of an oddball choice for my winner, which is uh, for his role as Walt in the movie Flawless, a 99 movie uh, where De Niro plays this, this homophobic cop and he suffers a stroke and then he has to have rehabilitation from one of his neighbors who's this uh, this transgender and it's someone that he's previously really severely actually sort of verbally abused and now he's basically reliant and they sort of they rely on each other and it's just a really great movie and a very very different robert de niro performance as he spends at least sort of three quarters of this movie sort of paralyzed on one side of his face and just uh, watching him go through that I thought it was just there's something about yeah something about that performance that really stands out for me. So it took me a while to get there, but that's going to be my peak performance from uh, Flawless. Some some great choices, and look, I appreciate the uh, restraint it must have taken, Paul. You've, you've done a good job, and I <laughs> saved the listeners the, some time. Yeah, yeah, no, there, there are so many good choices. I uh, I think. You know, we could work our way through Robert De Niro's catalogue and just have a great time talking about his movies regularly. And I feel like the one challenge with this peak performance um, conversation is every week it actually just adds a whole bunch of old movies to my watch list of things that I want to watch. I'm still thinking about The Quick and the Dead. Um, I think it was Norman's recommendation a couple of weeks ago. That's right, yeah. Great choice, right? I need, I need to see it. I need to see it. It's it's good even, even talking about The Hunger Games, talking about... Um, some of these old Robert De Niro movies that that, that dive in one, uh, which I you just mentioned its name. It's escaping my memory. Man, so good. Man of Honor, real good, eh? Man of yeah. Honor. Man of Honor. Mm. So it's it's back to you again, Paul, for uh, choosing next week. So okay. I look forward to look forward to hearing who we might be um, who might be looking at. I wonder if anyone's still listening, Dan, because I reckon we're on for a record here. We're on for nearly one hour, 30 minutes almost, which is just insane. Just insane, right? It, I would be very surprised, to be honest. <laughs> if you're still listening and you're you're a fan of the show, send us a message. I, I, I'd, I'd love to know. Just so we know, right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe we need a code word. Like send us this message. and um... <laughs> Code word mango. Yeah, code word mango. Send us mango and um, oh, no. you never know. Yeah. So that probably brings us to the end of the show, Paul. Mm. So um, I guess thanks once again to our um, Patreon producers of the month, um, Trisha Brady and Samara King. Thank you for your support and your service. And hopefully we've, we've done a show up to your standard and – Look, you guys are the boss now, so if it's not, I'm sure we'll be called into the office. Um, if you'd like to support us on Patreon, um, check out the the link in the in the show notes. Um, but yeah, look, it's been great. It's been great talking. Before we close out, Paul, if people want to 
get hold of us, find us? They can find us on social media anywhere at Half Measures Pod, uh, halfmeasurespodcast.com, and in Discord. We'd love to have you join the growing band in the community. And if you'd like to sponsor an episode of Half Measures and help us keep these lights on, that would be great. Get in touch with us via our website. And our thanks once again to Mission Log Podcast and the Roddenberry Podcast Network for their support. Hope you join us next week. Adios, guys, and sorry it was a long one. We've kept you back longer than we probably intended. <laughs>